Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode, where tonight we're going to be discussing the Golgi Keith film pick of the week, Ichi the Killer, from 2001 and directed by Matasha Mike. But before that, right. as always, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful. Yes, Doc, you'll have your turn. The bold and the beautiful, the Golgi Keith. Hello, everybody. What is going on tonight? Oh, how are you, Ghoul? How are you doing this evening? I am just ever so grand, man. I am uh, I'm itching like bad to get the hell out of the house. I need to work. I, I'm just chomping at the bit at this point. Well, that's like Girl, you better work. I was having fun. <laughs> okay, then. So we're also joined, as you can tell, by the Jamal Dr. Dave from a couple weeks of retirement. Back at it. Welcome, Doc. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Talking Terror audience. I know you're all waiting in rapt attention to hear what type of stellar content we're going to deliver to you this evening. Thank you, Mom. No, they're just all here for your <laughs> tones, dude. Yeah, now we're in trouble. Doc's back. We all just have to sit back and relax. <laughs> and lastly, but not leastly, we're joined by the psychotic simian, the Prince of Mars Day. Yes. The man making himself. Bring it, baby. Yes. Hey there, fight fans. I'm your maniacal mad monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where we bring you the best damn horror podcast in all the land, Talking Terror. So buckle up, kids, because tonight's going to get a little weird. And to my co-host, hello, my freaky darlings. Oh, how I've missed you. I'm excited about tonight's episode. <laughs> Our punches have love in them. That's how you know it's going to be a good show. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get to that movie tonight, do any of you guys have anything to talk about before we turn to the doc for some horror news to discuss? Um, I think we need to. I think we really need to discuss the Batmobile. I think we really need to fucking discuss the Batmobile. <laughs> oh, that that muscle car? That's not the Batmobile at all. Just a muscle car with things in the back. If you listen, oh if you God. listen carefully right now, the doctor is coming. <laughs> he is. I don't know. I heard. I heard, I heard that. I thought I heard a little skirt spurt. <laughs> just, just because last week um, the ki- the king put on the Talking Terror Facebook page pictures of the Bat Cycle. This week on the Talking Terror Facebook page, he has released pictures of the Batmobile that will be in this uh, upcoming movie. And man, if we thought the Bat Cycle was bad, oh man, this thing just looks like. Oh, Batman stole the, the Winchester brother, brother's car. Yeah, man, it's, it's <laughs> with, it has a couple little flaps on the backside. It's got some 
oh, Big Vince on the top. It, it looks like it was used in Jason Statham's Death Race 2000. That's what it looks like. Easily. It, it, it doesn't look like a Batmobile. <laughs> yeah. Google what he's doing about the Batcar. I don't even want to call it the Batmobile. I just call it the Batcar at this point. <laughs> Oh, listen, I, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I didn't mind the look whatsoever. I think it kind of looks like a cool car. It would be one that I'd like to own. Um, you know, I mean, whatever it is that they're doing with this character, however they're they're making it, whether they're trying to give us a Batman based in reality, um, you know, where it's not the, uh, the Schumacher level of glowing lights and, and all kinds of crazy shit, nor is it going to be that brutal, you know, the bat tank that we got in the uh, the Christian Bale universe of Batman, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I was never a big fan of the Tumblr, to be perfectly honest mm-hmm. with you. So I, I, I don't really? It, yeah, you know, it just wow. <laughs> looks like a tank. If Batman, you know, Batman's got all these different kinds of vehicles and stuff. You've got the Bat Cycle, the Bat Copter, the Bat This, the Bat That. That would have been the Bat Tank. Okay, that's not the Batmobile. The Batmobile needs to look like a sleek friggin' car. Um, I think how it rolls. That's the Batmobile, man. It's just how I've always envisioned it. It's how I've always seen it. And and whatever. So no, I did not like the bail vehicle all that much. That being said, it was uh, it was useful for what they needed to use it for, and, and that was that. Uh, the Ben Affleck one, for what we got with it, was all right. Um, it went yeah. back to at least the Batmobile look. You know, we didn't get yeah. all that much of it, but you know, when you got it, it, it was effective. And you know, this is gonna just do what it's gonna do. I'm sure again, just like the suit, and just like the mask, and just like everything else, they're gonna do little touches of digital effectory that are going to spiff it up a little bit. But I'm wondering, from all the looks of everything, are they really trying to go with like a realistic take on what a man dressed as a fucking bat is gonna look like <laughs> in the real world trying to fight crime? Oh man, that's what I think that's they're going for. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think they're going for. I think they're going for a Batman Year One look, where it's just him starting out as Batman in Gotham. I get that. I kind of respect it in a way. I'm kind of with the ghoul though. I didn't like the Tumblr either in those Batman No One movies. I just wasn't a fan. Just too bulky, too big. You know, I, the, to me the pinnacle is uh, Burton's Batmobile. That to me that's the pinnacle. That's sleek. It's sexy. Does what it has to do. Schumacher's too much flash, too much stuff going on with that. With that huge fucking thing on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Could have dealt with that. Day, um, glow, day glow lights on the inside front. Yep. <laughs> All kinds of uh, <laughs> stuff going on there. Uh, I, I enjoyed the Tumblr just because I took it as a nod to Frank Miller's Dark Knight. You know, so mm-hmm. and hit the Batmobile that was in there. So I, that's why I enjoyed it. Um, okay. Um, moving on, just because I'm pretty sure the doc doesn't want to talk about more comic book stuff. Just go right ahead. <laughs> um, I'm here for two again, hours. I'm not going anywhere. Take all the time you need. <laughs> uh, um, again, so if, we, if, we, if we talk page. comic book stuff now, the doc can sleep during the early part of the show so that he doesn't fall asleep during the movie conversation part. <laughs> I mean, the movie conversation part this week might just do that, but we'll see. Oh, oh man! No. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, Controversy. The, the, um, the the king put up the the new new trailer for the new on the talkie. The 
the snooch to the smooch. Snooch to the smooch. Yeah, yeah. But he put up the trailer for the you know the Nucci Mutants. <laughs> um, up there. The Nucci Mutants. Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> no, I said the new. You're just so excited you can't even get it out. Yeah, the new I know. Mutants trailer, Josh the Escape trailer. Yeah. Yes, I put that up. Uh, it's cool. Did you have a chance to check this out yet? Oh, not only did I get a chance to check it out, but I, uh, you know, I've been exploring the world of J- Japan over the last week. Kind of one of those weird coincidences that occurred. Um, it wasn't because we were doing Ichi the Killer. It just kind of happened that way. So anyway, for Samantha's 10th birthday, we went to go see the My Hero Academia movie that is yeah. out um, in theaters on Monday. Uh, we went Monday night to go see it, and lo and behold, there is the trailer for The New Mutants. So yes, yes indeed, I've oh. seen this trailer. And it's just, again, after seeing this trailer, I'm just even more excited now. It's just because, again, it looks like they're definitely trying to stick with just, you know, the first uh, 25 issues of New Mutants. Not trying to shove too much mm-hmm. in there. Just just trying to establish the New Mutants. And, yeah, uh, uh, again, seeing Yana with the Soul Sword, I was just like, ha-ha! I just went all fucking fanboy, man. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's definitely cool, and they're sticking with the PG-13 rating, which I liked. They're not going for R. Josh Berlin said he wanted the PG-13, he got it, and that's what he's happy with. So, if they could do what they do in the trailer, which is definitely horror-centric, uh, like I said before, he's citing Nightmare on Elm Street three, The Shining, and a couple other movies as his influences. So, I can't wait to see what he's coming up with. Hopefully, that gets released, and then we get to the end of March, and you're like, oh, we're pushing it back. Next no. April third, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Fold you guys. We, we, have to, we gotta go back and edit some more shit because some some of the people in post credit didn't get along with each other. So now we gotta go and do a re edit of our edit. You know, because heaven forbid people not get along with each other on this damn new mutants movie. <laughs> yeah, we have to put Deadpool in the dead, the end credits, so yeah, we gotta go back and shoot that. <laughs> we'll be back next year, guys. So no, I'm excited for it. It, it, it. That trailer definitely hooked me in more than the first one. So I'm looking forward to it. April 3rd, can't wait. Can't come fast enough. But, yeah, so that is a new news. But, uh, Doc, what do you have for us in your news to talk about tonight? Everybody loves the return of the living dead. And if I start to talk about something that you guys might have talked about last week, please don't hesitate to stop me. But everybody loves the return of the living dead. Uh, can we <laughs> agree upon that? Yes. Yeah, yes. One of my favorite movies. Absolutely. So you all might, especially based on what you guys were just talking about, you might be delighted to learn that there's going to be a direct sequel to Return of the Living Dead, <laughs> except it is going to be in comic book form, and it's going to be called okay. Revenge of the Living Dead. It is going to be a 60-page graphic novel comic book. There's only going to be 350 copies, so if you're into this type of thing, you should pre-order now. It's going to be released next month. What? Oh. Yeah. Um. And do, yeah. do Do you know if this is uh, has anything to do with Romero the, or the Romero estate? No, because Return of the Living Dead isn't a Romero uh, feature, 
John Russo. Yeah, it's Return. That's oh, that oh, 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 yeah, Return of the Sorry. Living Dead, monkey. Do you host a horror podcast or what? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was thinking of Ow. the other news about the Day of the Dead. We're on the way to that one. Okay. No, that's, uh, that's interesting, though, the, the graphic novel that uh, the doc is talking about, uh, because Don Calfa, who played Ernie in Return of the Living Dead, actually helped write that uh, graphic novel. And unfortunately, he passed away before he could see it released. Uh, it's being oh. available through a UK website. So you have to basically transform pounds into American dollars to order it. But yes, it is very much a limited edition. Uh, and it's only going to cost you, I think, $20 American. Uh, 14 pounds UK, $20 transferable in the, U- in the U.S. So I would love to pick up a copy, but you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to order that or not. Yeah, and you said like only 150 copies? Three. three yeah, it's, it's very limited. Yeah. Wow. 350. Yeah, so very limited, very exclusive, but very cool that they're doing uh, Revenge of the Living Dead. But yes, that is a John A. Russo script directed by Daniel Bannon, the late Daniel Bannon, I should say. But classic nonetheless. Okay, so moving on from that realm of the dead, what else do we have, Doc? Uh, we might as go, well go to the other realm of the dead, but uh, there's going to be a 10-episode Day of the Dead remake series that's going to be on sci-fi. Uh, my reading tells me that they're not even doing like the traditional pilot and see what happens, that they're going straight to series. And okay. uh, right on the heels of that news came the news that the Romero estate does not endorse this project in any way. Which is fine with me. I mean, it's the, because Day of the Dead, as I talked about in the group chat with you guys, it's been remade three different times already. And it had nothing to do with Romero's 85 Day of the Dead, which I know the doc you're a huge fan of, and I like it as well. But those movies had nothing to do with Romero's version. So why should they give a, a tip of the hat or an acknowledgement to this Day of the Dead series? You know, they're using it in title only, and hopefully that'll get people to watch. Uh, I mean, I'm not really interested, but hopefully, you know, it'll get some viewers and maybe get some people interested in the Romero zombies. Okay, so uh, this series is not supposed to tie into the Romero zombie universe in any way, shape, or form. They're just using no. the name? No. Uh, okay. No, no. Oh, okay. It's been done before, you know, three different times, where they just used the, the title. I mean, at least, I mean, I don't, you know I don't like the Dog of the Dead from 2004, but at least that had the mall in it. <laughs> you know, but Day of the Dead, that first one, Contagion. Day of the Dead 2, I believe that was called, had nothing to do with the original Day of the Dead, which is so disappointing because it, it had potential to be good, and it just wasn't. But that also had big names in it, actually. So weird. Showed up for another one. <laughs> yeah, it didn't even connect to the fucking movie. Like, we, like, nope, yeah, not at all. Uh, yeah, and you know I feel I'm one of those that feels like the Dawn of the Dead remake is superior to the original Dawn of the Dead. Um, it's yep. one of those rare cases that I feel that. Um, but yeah, the fact that there's that sequel that's got Ving Rhames in it playing as another character completely. It's got like Mina Suvari in it. I own that on mm-hmm. DVD somewhere. Like I ended up the getting that, in like, it. Yeah. A, a bargain bin in like Blockbuster when they were closing. Um, I got that, Troy, and something else. I forget what it was. It was like three movies for whatever amount. It was like, five, again, $5, I think, for all three films. And, yeah, it was, I wish I could have given it back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's an abysmal movie. And, you know, I know that Dawn of the Dead in 2004 does have its fans, and I don't blame any of them, but, you know, 
you know where I stand on that one. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with the day. Love it. Yeah, let's have a pie fight. Jeez. It's fun. It's fun. Okay. I love it. I want to have some zombies in the face of the We are not going down this rabbit hole again. No. <laughs> no, boy. Okay. Doc, what else? No, you got? Been there. We, know we know which movie is better. <laughs> some people do. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the original uh, Dawn of the Dead could be the most overrated film in the whole entire horror movie universe. Sure. Wow. You can go for that. You can say that, and you know what? I respect your opinion, because as a horror fan, you're allowed to have that opinion. I disagree, but you're allowed to have it. I'm not going to fight you on it. I know what I like. Romero's 78 version is superior in every single way. That's where I stand. And Doc is like just this little goblin with a toothpick, and he just keeps trying to poke the lion. <laughs> I'm not trying to poke anyone. I'm not trying no, to he's not poking anything. King of he's not poking anything. I'm just stating my I'm not trying to, to poke or, or prod or anything. I, that's that's nope. truly how I feel. Those are my feelings. They've always been that way since I very saw Dawn of the Dead for the very first time. I've felt that forever. Um, I, you know, that's just how I feel. And uh, I'm allowed to share my opinions on this show. Yes, you are. And to, to Doc's credit, he has never knocked me for liking Lamero's version better. He's never made fun of me for it. He just has his opinion. No, so that's why I respect like, I mean, his. Just about everybody that watches horror movies likes the original one better. Like, there's a minority that likes the remake, but I'm, I'm full aware of that. Yeah, and it's fine. Like I said, I think it's fine that people like that movie. There's elements of that 2004 movie that I do like, and I've admitted that. You know, that opening 20 minutes is fantastic. It's just the rest that I have oh, problems with. Oh, God, yeah. But... <laughs> You know, that's just that's just the way I feel. But all right, so moving on from Day of the Dead, the sci-fi series, what the, what's next? Uh, did you guys talk about last week the Friday the Thirteenth, uh, never-ending Friday the Thirteenth case? No, what? I don't think we did. No. All right, so now this time apparently uh, this can be over as soon. Uh, it's expected to be over in May or June, and uh, mm-hmm. the word from the courtroom is that this uh, can go in. Uh, one of three ways. Uh, obviously, uh, one way is that uh, Victor Miller wins and owns the rights. Uh, the other way is that right. the standing court uh, decisions are overturned and Sean Cunningham gets the rights. And then the third, less likely uh, choice, is that it gets sent back to district court uh, and that either side can appeal to the Supreme Court, but that the Supreme Court is going to decline handling this immediately. So, uh, look for, you know, it's going to be Miller or it's going to be Cunningham. And hopefully uh, May and June we'll finally see a resolution to all of this nonsense. I love oh, it. Just reach a decision. Just end it. Oh, yeah. Just reach a decision. Yeah, just mom and dad, stop fighting. The kids are lonely. Ready? We want you home. <laughs> <laughs> We're all sitting in the corner of the courtroom. There's grass from our Jason figures and plushies going, stop the fighting. Why do you guys have to hate each other? We just want Jason back. <laughs> the oh, ghoul man. and I are like we just um, the ghoul and I are like we just want new content for our game. We just want people to get back on there and start playing again. <laughs> Stop the madness, Victor, Sean, please. Hug it out, guys. Just hug it we're, out. We're like we're all like little telekinetic Tina out in the rowboat yelling at daddy on the fucking dock at this point, okay? <laughs> I just want Kane Hunter to show up to that case going, guys, can you shut the fuck up and solve this already? 
I want to make another <laughs> one. I got fucked over on Freddie versus Jason. I'm still available. <laughs> Kenny Hodder, witness for the prosecution. <laughs> Just kicking in the door <laughs> to the courtroom. This is bullshit, guys. <laughs> we need an answer. You can't bring a machete in the courtroom. The fuck I can't. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Choke slam, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he had a in the courtroom. <laughs> oh my God! It's Kane, fresh from hell. <laughs> Why is he wearing the Jason mask and nothing else? Put the pants on, Kane. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so that's going on with the Friday Thirteenth lawsuit. So what else is going on in the world of horror, Doc? Uh, Halloween kills. Halloween ends. Uh, was very important. Uh, to Jason Blum, that uh, this did not feel like two fil- like one film that was cut down the middle. That, okay. Is somebody like hyperventilating or something? No. Is someone having trouble breathing or is somebody masturbating? Uh, no, no we're yet. all here, and we haven't gotten into Ichi yet, so there is no masturbation yet. So moving right, on. So. Uh, <laughs> He said it was very important that uh, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends couldn't feel like one film that was cut down the middle. And he has seen Halloween Kills, and he wants us all to know that Halloween Kills feels like a complete film that has its own first, second, and third act with a big end. Uh, Yet you still know where the third one is going. Uh, But the second Hmm. one, Halloween Kills, ends in a satisfying way. And on that note, too, Halloween Ends uh, will begin filming in about three months. So compared to what he said when I reported it last week, where he said Halloween Kills is pretty good, (laughs) obviously he's expounded upon that, where he's you know retracted and said, "Wait a second, okay, this is a decisive movie." So now he's expounded upon what he said because originally he said I watched it; it's pretty good. So he had to add some stuff. (laughs) I guess there's a little bit of backlash to what he originally said. But at the same time, though, it's like we already know that two more movies are coming out, all right? And it's like why the yep. fuck are we going to sit there and even waste our time going to see Halloween Kills when we have to sit there and wait for Halloween Ends as well? It's, it seems like I, I just think it's a wasted effort here as far as the whole thing of, you know, it's going to be two separate movies. Just like, no, it's not. It's not. No matter how you write it, it's still not going to be two separate movies because Halloween Kills is just a bridge piece to Halloween Ends. Yeah, that's what he's saying. That's exactly what Jason Bummer just said, Monkey. <laughs> so, he said yeah, that it's a bridge it's, piece. It's gonna, yeah, but he's saying it's going to be a complete movie, though. You know, and it's just at the same time. Well, so, yeah, it's going to have a beginning, middle, and end. So it's going to be a complete movie, ninety minutes. So this is going to be the Empire Strikes. This is going to be the Empire Strikes Back of Halloween movies. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I guess I don't know Star Wars that much, so I guess. Go with that. Ah. Run with it. <laughs> I can't. I can't make that reference very well. So sure, go with that. It'll be the the one with the with the little uh, puppets in the woods, whatever one that was. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I, I don't know my story movies, but trying to figure it out. I'm like, which one was Empire? Is that the one with the little puppet people, the little teddy bears? <laughs> Uh, just no. <laughs> yeah, I'm let's, fine. Just, All right. Let's so. just be, 
Let's, I'm sorry I opened my mouth. Let's just keep rolling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how it goes here on the show. <laughs> so, Doc, <laughs> what, what's next? Uh, following the first season of Creep Show on the Shudder Network, and Shudder has claimed that uh, Creep Show is a success, uh, they have struck a deal with AMC where the first season of Creep Show later this year is going to air on AMC. So people that don't have the Shutter Network that have not had a chance to see it, that might have been interested in it, uh, will get a chance to watch it later this year as Creepshow will be coming to AMC the first season. That is something we talked about. All right, so next. Uh, <laughs> what he said, let us know. Let, us, let me know. And yeah, I'm but, you could, but you could you could have just st- like none of us stepped in. We're like, yeah. Oh, as soon as doc, I said the word creep show, you could have just cut me off. Then you didn't have to let me tell the whole yeah. story. You were rocking with it. I didn't want to stop you. You seemed pretty excited to talk about creep show. I didn't want to stop you. <laughs> you know? Maybe, maybe you figured that. you had like new news to add. You know. That's okay. true too. <laughs> but so fine. I'm just going to clarify before every item here. Did you guys talk about Kevin Smith's horror movie last week? Nope. No. All right. So apparently, uh, Kevin Smith uh, has a no, no, a yeah. horror okay. anthology movie called Kilroy Was Here uh, that he'll be looking to get a full release for uh, later this year. It was originally going to be some type of uh, holiday Christmas horror thing that might have been called uh, Curse the Krampus, and it also might have been called Anti Claus. Uh, but it was changed to Kilroy, some kind of killing creature horror anthology. Uh, Kevin Smith says he's trying to get this out later this year. I heard that, yeah. And it's supposed to be about the illustrations during World War II, that people would draw on buildings of a person looking over a wall and saying, Kilroy was here. So he was inspired by that to make this anthology. So I haven't really heard much about it, so that's kind of interesting that you brought that up, because that, you know, mm. it's been a couple months since I've heard about yeah, Kilroy. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't mm. talk about it last week. No, right. I didn't. So that's uh, cool. But it, and is this one uh, straight up horror that he's trying to do? Like, you know, no no tying into the uh, skewer universe in any way, shape, or form? So, complete independent project? Yes. Yeah, as far oh, as cool. I knew, when he first announced that it was supposed to be just an independent horror anthology, uh, Kilroy was here. So it's not going to tie in anything Jay and Samuel Bob related. No uh, view of skewer universe. So, you know, I liked his horror outings, though. I mean, I like Tusk and I like Red State. So, I love Yoga Hosers to a certain extent, even though it's more horror comedy. Uh, But Yoga Hosers is really fun, too. So, looking forward to seeing what he does with uh, Kill Rose here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, Doc, what else you got? So, Netflix, uh, you know, one of the more popular of all of the streaming services has announced that they're going to, and they started, because I saw it when I opened Netflix the other day, they're going to be doing this, uh, these top ten lists, uh, where mm-hmm. they're going to be having top ten lists for different uh, genres and type of programming uh, that they say will be based on uh, you know, popularity and streaming numbers. Now, uh, they will not be, as per Netflix's policy, releasing any kind of streaming information as to how many streams... Uh, their programming gets, uh, but they will be putting these top 10 uh, lists out there on their menu, uh, you know, to to drive uh, audiences to this this popular content. 
Okay, if it's already top ten, then people are already fucking watching it. But what if you're not watching it, and then now you see it and you want to watch it? That's a good point. Uh, It's not algorithm-based. Yeah, but at the same time, I see this as just another, uh, you know, algorithm that Netflix is going to run just to sit there and try and pump their own shit. You know, (laughs) be like, yeah, everyone's watching our shit. You know, there, there's no trackers or anything, and we don't give the numbers, but, you know, everything that's in the fucking top ten list are all Netflix original material, so make sure you check out this shit. You know, Netflix says that yeah. they they want people to be able to watch what everyone's watching so they don't feel left out uh, at conversations mm-hmm. around the proverbial water cooler. Well, that's the point, yeah, though. Uh, if people are talking about it around the water cooler, they're already fucking watching it. That's how people end up hearing about shows that they might have not have seen before. You know, and well, now that it's on a top amazing. ten list, you might see it and be able to be in the conversation instead of left out. My oh, God. Okay. okay, give me a break, man. Like me, like I... Netflix in in most cases, I watch shows four years after they air. Their shit, dude. <laughs> you know, that's because you're about 15 years behind everybody else because you don't watch TV like a normal person does. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I make no apologies about that. I'm outliving life. That's why you're behind when you say you're four years, you know? It's not like you're you're watching shows daily and everything, you know? That's fine and dandy. I'm just saying that that's the reason why you're behind. You know, as love far the as term fine and dandy. I do love the term <laughs> fine and dandy. Um, um, it's a great expression. Uh, yeah, as far as, as their, their whole, yeah, this is another fucking ploy by Netflix, man. They can go suck a big bag of dicks. I <laughs> know. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I don't but mind it because I, it, it's it's good. Yeah, I'm sorry, Monkey. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say I can see how this is helpful for the doctor because he's not 100% up to everything, like you said, Ghoul. And if anything, maybe it'll help him, you know, be able to sit there and talk to a couple more people in the teacher's lounge, and you know, maybe he can be sitting there, you know, looking up the cliff notes on his phone and stuff like that, so he can talk to the other teachers, going, "Oh, yeah." I totally watched this too. What did you think of this thing? <laughs> it's like, hey guys, did you ever see that show uh, Game of Thrones? I was a big fan of the games, not so much of the Thrones. I mean, it's crazy, right? Like, it's just like, what's going on, guys? <laughs> that show's over. It is. Oh, crazy! Because like, yeah, totally popped up my Netflix stuff then. So until I should be watching this. <laughs> But like I said, I see the pluses and minuses of it. I mean, it's good, like the monkey just said, for people that don't really watch too much that just see what's going on in the world. And it's like that's top ten material. I would rather they do algorithm-based, where if you watch something, they give you a top ten based on what you've been watching. Like if you've watched all these movies and maybe you like these movies or these shows. See, well, that, that's what I would they think have better. They do that. They have based on what you do. They give you suggestions okay. for what you may want to check out. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I, I didn't but, realize that. Yeah, yeah. They that's the whole thing about Netflix is based on what you do, then they sit there and cross reference and do a million other algorithms against what you do and tell you you should be watching this. You know. But without the one thing that Netflix doesn't do, which I would fucking love to see, is like just straight up, you know, just just yeah, that too. Um but just like YouTube and shit like that. Show us numbers for how many views. You know, they don't do that. 
You know, like, you know, they talk about mm-hmm. they have so many viewers. I'd like to actually see real numbers on shit. Be like, you know, when you go to pull up Game of Thrones, how many fucking views there are, blah, blah, blah. Just a little tiki tack mm-hmm. in the corner, you know. Game of Thrones it's, is HBO. I'm just well, saying, we're using it as an example. Yeah, not not Netflix, <laughs> but using it as an example. Like Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah, how many views is Stranger Things at? You know, how many people are watching it? How many people are really kind of digging that show and liking it, putting it into their queues? You know, that, that type of thing. I, I get that. You know, so it could be an interesting thing. But, you well, know, you know what the funny thing is, though, realistically? Yeah. It really doesn't fucking matter. Because the only way you can watch mm-hmm. stuff on Netflix is, is if you have a subscription to Netflix. So it really doesn't matter how many people are watching any given fucking show. Because you have your subscription regardless. That's true. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. Plus and minus is all across the board. Okay. So moving away from that, Doc, what else do we have? Uh... So, uh, Brett Gelman, uh, who played the character of Murray Bauman on Stranger Things, has received a promotion to being a full-time cast member. Uh, we saw this character in bits and pieces in Season 2. He had a much larger role in Season 3, uh, but he is now officially a cast regular, uh, a full-time cast member. So, if, you, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, when... Uh, you know, this was announced when the, the cast just got together to have a, to do a table reading uh, to get ready for filming, and uh, it was announced that he had received this promotion. So, if you are a fan of this character, uh, you're looking forward to seeing more of this. I know I am. I've always liked that character, so it's a well-earned promotion to have that character because definitely in season three they used a lot more of him in season two, where he just kind of showed up in a couple episodes and was gone. Season three, I, I think that he really had a good bridge for his character. So for season four, I'd love to see him a lot more. And I love Brett Gelman, though, as a comedic actor. He's fantastic. He's been in some really funny movies. So to see him on this show is great. I agree. Okay, what else so, you got, Doc? Excuse me. Uh, so... Uh, we have covered uh, Train to Busan on the show before, and yeah, mm-hmm. uh, while there are plans for an American Fucking remake, that animal? Uh, there <laughs> is going to be a sequel uh, to this film called Peninsula. Uh, I hadn't heard of this. I had only heard of the American remake, uh, but that's going to mm-hmm. be released in Korea this summer. So if you were a fan of Train to Busan, you can be looking forward to the Korean sequel Peninsula sometime this summer if you choose to travel to Korea. That hold, is on. Correct. Uh, hold on, because King, didn't you, uh, you to fuck also have bear? news? <laughs> didn't you have news about a U.S. release as well? Uh, uh, not yeah, it's right going to be concurrent with the Korean version. But yeah, that was that was a couple weeks ago. I can't remember that now because that was that was something that we talked about a couple weeks ago on the show. Um, I can't remember when the, the American release is, but it's on the Talking Terror Facebook page. If you scroll back a couple of weeks, uh, I put on that there's going to be an American release for Peninsula, as well as uh, South Korea. Okay, cool. So that is planned. Um, because of just the popularity of Train to Busan, uh, they're definitely planning a U.S. Uh, release as well. Um, but okay, so moving away from that, what else do we have? Also from the far, far east, uh, Bong Joon-ho's Coronavirus. Uh, storyboards. Uh, for Parasite, uh, you know, uh, it was debated on whether or not Parasite should have been the best picture, but 
uh, Bong Joon-ho's uh, storyboards for Parasite uh, have been put together into one collection that will be a graphic novel that is going to be released on May 19th. That's interesting, because I know that they're gearing up for the HBO miniseries as well, Parasite, with Mark Ruffalo uh, taking on the role of the father for Parasite HBO miniseries coming up soon, based on that popular movie that won at the Oscars. So we'll have to stay tuned for more on that. But uh, it's, it's getting momentum. I know Trump doesn't like it, never saw it. So, yeah, <laughs> South Korea, pretty bad. But movie, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish I could pull up that clip, because it was great. And talk about not seeing Parasite because he's like, we have bad trade deals. <laughs> I don't need to lead. I need to read. Yeah, I know. Man, fucking Trump. Uh, anyway, uh, all right. So what else do we have, Doc? Todd McFarlane says that the R-rated Spawn reboot no. is happening this year, and he <laughs> is going to direct it. Whoa, really? Wait, okay. He's directing it? Whoa. He says that he's going to direct it. I'm into oh. that. Oh, hells no. No, no. Oh, oh stop no. it, Mikey. Stop oh, it. You know, he, man, he can't even write his own fucking book. All right? It's his book, and he sit there and tried <laughs> to write the first several issues, and it was literally like three three panel pages. All right, for uh, 25 episodes, I mean 25 issues, because that's the only way he could fucking write that shit. You know, no, don't let him fucking direct that shit. No, 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 no. <laughs> Mucky, go sit down, have a beer, relax. It's going to be okay. <laughs> He's not hurting you. Well, it's going to be fine. Well, I, man, okay, then I'm sitting there putting my money, well, um, let's see here, on suck for this movie. <laughs> Can it be worse than that suck fest that was the Michael J. White version that came out with Martin Sheen and John Leguizamo as the violator? I don't think so. Hey, because that was pretty I'm fucking bad. Saying, yeah, and I'm not saying that movie was good either. I'm just saying this is <laughs> yeah, definitely not going to be better. Robert, Robert Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, that's Martin Sheen. <laughs> he played Kennedy once. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I just I I can't watch that image of John Lucasamo as the clown of the violator. <laughs> My fucking mind. That movie was just trash when I saw it back in the theater. I was so excited to spawn and what we got was not very good. So I'm hoping that Tom McFarlane learned that lesson from years ago and he's like, you know what, I can do this guys. I have faith in Tom. <laughs> I do. I have faith. Here's the thing. They need to make sure that they surround him with people that are really, 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 and your second unit and all of that stuff, okay? These people need to be, like, next fucking level because Todd McFarlane has absolutely no experience directing a film in any way, okay? It's not like he's got directing credits for television shows. He doesn't have any kind of... How do you know he didn't make any student films? That's true. I don't give a fuck about his films. He he didn't make any student films. 
He was busy writing comic books for Marvel. He didn't do student films. He used all of his money to buy hockey paraphernalia and a baseball that was the most expensive baseball for uh, in the world for two days until that record was broken. Good job, Todd McFarlane. Um, what did he do to you, saying, monkey? My, my point, he you the wrong way? <laughs> my point behind that, though, is because I don't mind the creator of Spawn being the person to direct the film. It's just that he's got no filmmaking experience. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. I got that. There's a problem. Um, like I would have, like, yeah. you know, at least if he was even thinking of doing something like this, dip your toes in television, do a couple episodes of some supernatural type of series or something, um, mm-hmm. anything to actually really like play around with and get an idea of what it's going to be. I mean, you're the director of the film. Everything's going to hinge on you. If this movie sucks, it is all 100% you. You cannot blame the studio. You can't blame anybody but the fact that your ass decided that you were going to do this with no experience. Yeah. I, I just, you know, yeah, I, I agree with the girl, though. Like, he's got to get a good team behind him. You know, if he's going to direct, he's got to get a good team behind him. And I think it could be a good project. Because he's the guy that created Spawn. So, yeah, he's the director, but he's got to get people that know what's going on behind the camera to be behind him to do this thing. And if that happens, then I think it's going to be a good film. Yeah. He's, you know, yeah. he's the creator, so he could do that. Yes, and to his credit, it's like he has directed a couple small pieces where, like, he has done um, music videos that used um, – McFarland style animation, like he, he, I know he did a couple of the corn video, uh, videos. Um, yeah, he did. He did, cool. uh, he did one for Disturbed, I believe. You know, I think he did some other shit too. You know, but other than that, you know, it's writer, producer, stuff like that. You know, he's only got a couple credits, uh, you know, to my knowledge of being a director. And like the ghoul said, when you're doing something this big, you know, get start small and work your way back up to the big projects, you know, especially when we have so much stuff out there where it's so easy for people to, you know, especially people with money and a name to get their projects out onto um, streaming services and stuff like that. You know, start small, like maybe, like like you said, you know, spawn series or something, but don't go all, you know, all in and be like, yeah, here's all the tips and I'm doing a big budget spawn movie. <laughs> Let's go, guys. <laughs> Um, but uh, if I can, uh, with the doc, I know he's probably got a bunch more to talk about, but if I can, I want to talk to the three people out there that know what I want to talk about tonight, and that is the official trailer for Candyman that came out this past week that I put on the Facebook page. It's the full trailer, not the teaser. Uh, I don't know if, if Doc Gould had a chance to watch it. I know that I showed I it to the monkey on Friday. Uh, so we're not going to talk about it right? because I don't want to spoil it for you. Oh, please, go right ahead. You will not be spoiling it for me, I assure you. Well, because I, you know, I, I know that you're not interested, but I thought you'd want to taste because I know I, I, I showed it to the monkey. So before I get into anything, because I have a lot to say about it, obviously. Uh, monkey, I showed it to you on Friday. What did you think about the Nia DaCosta Candyman first official trailer that came out? Yeah, man. Uh, watching this trailer, it's like... um. I really liked it. I I really enjoyed the feel that they were going for with this thing. And if they go with what they're trying to go with in this trailer, 
Like, this Candyman movie could actually work. It, it really could. You know, if they stick with what they make you think they're going to go with it in this uh, new Candyman film. Yeah, uh, and I know that we talked about it, but yeah, I, I agreed. Um, you have Yaha Abdul-Mateen II playing this character who's returning to Caprini Green after all these years, feeling some kind of familiarity with the region. Like He's been there before, he just knows this region, and he can't stop painting these images of somebody that everybody calls the Candyman. There's this legend in this area that's now gentrified. It's not the Caprini Green Project like in 1992. You know, it's brand right. new, it's rebuilt, all these new areas, but the Candyman War is still there. Um, in the trailer, you get to see kind of elements of body horror, where it could possibly be that Yaha Mateen 2 is becoming the new Candyman, that he's possessing the spirit, because there are a bunch of bees around. Um, they had a great scene of a bunch of girls saying Candyman's name in the mirror five times at school, and they all get slaughtered. Um, they have a look for the Candyman in this one where he's wearing a mustard-colored jacket with a fur collar, uh, which I dug. I thought that was a cool new look for Candyman. But in the entire trailer, I was looking for some kind of sign of Tony Todd. And there is, if you pause it towards the end of the trailer, you get to see a shot of him in the rearview mirror of a car when Yaha Abdul-Mateen II is looking into it. You see Tony Todd. So is he getting the hook passed to him? Is he becoming the new legend of Cabrini Green? Is he becoming the new Candyman? And that's what I think the monkey was saying, is that if they do it this way, it could work. Um, I always wanted something more to do with the congregation that Candyman talked about in the original 1992 version, that he has a congregation. They expect things of him. You know, He has to spill blood for his congregation, and if you call upon him, he's going to come. And I think that's what we're going to get, and I'm just really excited to see what they do. Um, it took me a couple of viewings to really appreciate what Nia DaCosta did. But I think the direction she's going in, it really is going to work. I think she really has something good. Yeah. I just, I really do hope that Tony Todd does show up to kind of pass the torch to this new successor to the hook. Well, right. while you were and doing all of that talking, oh, sorry, I watched boy. the trailer. Um, so now so I did I. That you're talking about. There we go. Uh, so okay, thoughts, okay. boys. The trailer looks promising, you know, but again, I'm not somebody that holds to the original Candyman as something that is so great, you know, so for me, I always felt the original film was kind of ho-hum, yeah, it was something that was pretty big when I was younger, um, you know, that was what, 92, 93, so I was like 15 at the time, horror movies were kind of like in a weird sort of state at that point anyway, yeah. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was one of the few that I really do remember coming out at the time. Uh, but, yeah, so, so yeah, it looks, it looks promising. Definitely looks like it'll be a, a fun little film if they can keep it scary and true to yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right, Doc, you did the same. Uh, yeah, uh, I watched the trailer, too, and, I mean, it looks like a trailer to a modern-day horror movie. Uh, my thoughts, as I've shared on this uh, show several times, are very similar to the ghouls. I never was one who uh, got all of the hoopla surrounding the first Candyman. Uh, was never something I was really a big fan of. Uh, to me, this this 2020 version is uh, nothing more than a curiosity. Uh, maybe I'll check it out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but... Uh, mm-hmm. 
serviceable trailer, I suppose. Yeah, okay, I actually enjoyed I'm, it. I, yeah, then I'm going to jump I'm back. I'm sorry, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, it's just um, after watching it and stuff like that, and then uh, re-watching Candyman literally last night um, if, because of all the talk of what's going on here. And, yeah, it's just I think this is a really nice idea to um, reinvigorate the idea of Candyman and, you know, what what it created in the 90s. But at the same time, it's, you know, if done right, become fresh and become its own character in its own right. And my theory with the trailer is that Yaha Abdul-Mateen 2 is going to be playing the baby from the original Candyman movie in 1992. And the only reason I say that is because there's a scene where he's talking to an older woman that claps her hands when he starts saying Candyman, and she says, don't say that. And that's Vanessa Williams, who played the mom in Candyman 2, the one with the baby that she felt that Helen Lyle kidnapped. And that was the baby that Candyman kidnapped to entice uh, her to come find him. So the fact right. that they're bringing her in, I was like, wow, that's, that's definitely tying it into the original movie. Um, I don't know if a lot of people caught on to that, but I was like, automatically, I just thought back to that 1992 version. I was like, that's Vanessa Williams. That's her. Like that's yeah. the original yeah. actress reprising her role, maybe. And and that was the thing is after you showed me that King, if they're willing to go that far with it, you know, and sit there and take that kind of a deep dive into the original one and still try and work it in, it's like you know I'm excited. You know, props to them for actually doing their research and then you know trying to find a creative way of making it modern and bringing it in into the new age. And even that church that they show in the trailer that he's taking pictures of, but it's just a nondescript church. But then all of a sudden you see an inside shot and it has sweets for the sweet painted above the cross. And you see somebody yeah. sitting there. I'm like, that's Candyman's congregation. That's his church. Holy shit. We're going to see his church. Like that's where he is. And that's, you know, and I, was, I just got so excited when I saw that. I was like, we're going to get an insight into this congregation that Tony Todd talked about in 1992. And I was like, I'm just hoping to get well, this set up. I, I feel I, like it's going to be a good thing. It's like, I wouldn't get too worked up. Like, I'm not expecting that level of film, you know, as far as the congregation mm-hmm. and yeah. stuff like that. Because uh, you and I are going to talk way more about this Friday night, okay? But I'm just saying for the show <laughs> yeah. because it's is just – you know, I'm saying don't get too worked up and don't expect too much, okay? You, cause I know. You're, it's, it's hard. Because what you've got vision in your head, King, is like, you know, that's a fucking trilogy of movies that you've got stuck yeah. in your – all right? You can't fit everything that you have going on into one movie. I'm just telling you now. <laughs> oh, please. When I was in high school, I wrote Candyman fan fiction about a whole cult of Candyman <laughs> followers. And I wish I still had it. But, yeah, it was in a notebook all yeah. about LSD-laced honeycombs and this cult of followers for Candyman. And I still wish I had because it was just epic. And I just – I'm so protective of that character, you know, above all else. So I'm just – I'm really excited. I know I shouldn't get too excited because I'm easily let down so much. But yeah, I felt like it was going in the right direction. I felt like there was something about it that I was like, you know what? I feel like this is going to be good. I feel like this is going to be worth checking out. So with that said, Doc, what else do you have for us on the hard news where we get into the music tonight? Netflix has announced that there will not be a second season of their 
horror series Marianne. Uh, the eight episode first season uh, will will be how it stands. Now I don't I know about even know there was a you guys, season. but <laughs> I, I didn't either. No, I had, I had talked. I know I had talked about this uh, this series in my news uh, back around the time that it debuted. Uh, I don't. I had read some some pretty good buzz about it. Uh, I'm looking up its official release date uh, right now. I've never even heard of it, yeah. So, Marianne, uh, is it a Spanish-speaking one? No, 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 no. It came, it came out... Into English. No, it came out back in uh, September. And uh, I had read a bunch of good buzz about it. And uh, I watched the first episode... And thought it was really, really, really good. And then just because I don't watch anything, I never got it back to watching it. But, uh, you know, the first episode was pretty excellent. Okay, so, yeah, okay, so this is what it is. Here's my problem with some of these series on Netflix. Um, see, they've taken to taking foreign language films or series, and then they redubbed them in English. Um, or they're okay. getting English dub versions. The problem is, it's like I find with a lot of dub things, watching them mm. now say one thing when you see when you're yeah. hearing it say Open another thing mouth. is just it's completely like distracting. Like they're not good dubs, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, obviously, listen, I don't want them not saying the right thing so that it matches what their mouths are doing. But personally, I would rather watch it in its native language and just read the subtitles. Yeah, me too. That's why I didn't continue watching Marianne. I, I tried watching it. I didn't watch it because uh, we were watching it saying they're not saying what the fuck it is that they're saying, and you can clearly see that. It just—it it was weird how it was done. Yeah, I like this. That's, here, all, that's like, all my input. It's, yeah, it's just hated when dubs don't match up with even the facial expressions and shit like that. That's fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, that's like any Italian film they watch from the 70s when it's dubbed in English. You know, the mouth doesn't match, you know, what they're saying, but I'll give it a pass. You know, just it's never bothered me that much. Yeah, but we're also talking 70s compared to now, man, where it's like, you know, you can do better dubbing. There's better voice actors. You know, voice acting is an actual profession now, you know, and, you know, yeah, there should be no yeah. excuse for bad dubbing now. No, I mean, make a good point. Like I said, it's, just, it's never something that I've ever really wondered about. You know, I just let it go. Because like I said, I'm such a huge fan of the 70s where it's so bad. But I just, you know, let it go. You know, like <laughs> Japanese movies from the 50s where it's like they're obviously not talking English because their mouths are still moving in the words of stuff. Oh, no, now broccoli. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Police Academy, too. Okay. Very good, Doc. <laughs> yeah. Michael Winslow. Nice. <laughs> yeah. All right, so after Followed that cancellation, what's <clears throat> yet? What what uh, other you have to talk about, Doc? That that is what I have. Okay. All right, very good. I, I think that was great. Thank you so much, Doc, for those uh, articles tonight. Um, and again, if you guys haven't checked out the Candyman trailer, it is on the Facebook page, Talking Terror, Facebook.com slash Talking Terror, I should say. Also follow us on Instagram. Com slash talking terror. So I'm doing some plugs early because I'm going to forget them later. <laughs> so tonight, the Girl Geek Keith has a pick, and it is Ichi the Killer from 2001, directed by Takashi Mike. Oh, Mike, you're so far, you're so funny, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Mike, how'd you get it in? <laughs> 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 so, 
So, Gruel, why don't you hit us with the synopsis, uh, what you thought about it, and uh, what we thought about tonight? Killer, man. Was there actually, like, a storyline involved with this thing? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's all kinds of weird shit going on in this one, man. You know, there's some fucking dude killing a bunch of gangsters, and uh, it's built up to be this, 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 I don't know. They kind of, it's almost like he's a specter. They're all expecting this crazy thing, and instead it turns out to literally be a crazy thing. Uh, That's about as much as I got on fucking Ichi the Killer, man. It's not something that you can easily describe to somebody. So what made you pick this movie tonight? Uh, well, like I said last week, uh, originally I was thinking of doing uh, Parasite um, just just to get mm-hmm. it done finally. But uh, you know what? Yeah. I was feeling I was feeling something messier, something gory. I, I I first watched this a long time ago. It's been a while since I've seen it, and since I I own it on my Xbox, I uh, figured it was time to to do it. Okay. All right, Doc, what did you think about Ichi the Killer? You know, uh, my previous viewing experience with this film goes way back to the time that the ghoul uh, witnessed this film. Uh, I know that uh, when we watched this film, we were probably on some combination of alcohol and marijuana. And uh, watched the movie probably in the late late evening. Uh, when we had this era when I was tracking down all these crazy Asian horror movies uh, that we would watch. Uh, so my memories of this film were very, very vague. And uh, as I'm watching this again, I'm thinking to myself, probably similar to the ghoul, like, what the fuck? Like, did we, like, my recollections of my original viewing do not give me any memories of how I felt about it. So I'm watching them, it's like, what the fuck am I watching? And and why is this movie held in such high fucking regard? And uh, you know a lot of other thoughts that we'll get into, but it's just it's such a curious fucking film. Mm-hmm. All right, Monkey, what did you think about Ichi the Killer? Yeah, Ichi um, dude is a unique watch. I mean, uh, the director Takeshi Miki uh, takes painstaking steps to make you feel 100% uncomfortable through almost 100% of this movie. Um, and aside from the gore, you know, we'll take that as a given. Um, you know, I'm not even talking about the gore. M- Miki and then the writer, uh, Takichi Soda, you know, built this world where there's, like, almost no happy moments. A- every time you think there's, like, a ray of sunshine for someone, the next line in the script, like, just stomps on it and kills it and beats it, you know, fucking death. Uh, like, Ichi is, like, really this bizarre dark film that's full of bizarre dark characters who all need to do bizarre things to each other to survive in this world and um yeah this movie it's like yeah um watching it hopped up on NyQuil and beer it gave me these really lucid dreams so uh cool thank you those were awesome (laughs) but um but to echo what the doc said I'm really excited about this just because and I'm, you know, I, I believe we all saw these movies all at the same time because we were all around the same age, right as the whole rise of J horror thing happened. You know, so we were all there 
and we were all snatching up everything we could fucking find, you know, whether it was The Grudge, Uzumaki, Battle Royale, Audition, Ringu, Love and that Royale. weird, uh, yeah, fuck yeah, and, and, that, and that weird fucked up anthology one, you know the one, King. Three extremes. Uh, yep, yeah, but yeah, and... But and when all these came out, you know, we ate them all up, man. Like it, you know, it, it, this was like, like little baby dumplings. Yeah, <laughs> and, but, you know, and and this and this whole thing was like a new beast of horror. Like and it had, you know, this, you know, fucked up teeth to spare. You know, and so we jumped all over this shit. You know, um, I'm gonna shut the fuck up now, King, because we need to ask you, what did you think of the movie? Um, and I, I briefly said it last week when the ghoul brought it up. I would never have known about this movie if it wasn't for the Mad Monkey's least favorite person of all, Eli Roth, because he was the one who introduced me to Ichi the Killer, because he was a huge fan of Takashi Miike, um, and I saw Cabin Fever when it came out in 2002. When the DVD came out, he had talked about uh, Ichi the Killer and also Audition. He actually went to a movie premiere dressed up like the character with the scars and everything like that. Um, and I was like, what the fuck is this movie? Like, why does he like it so much? So I actually ended up renting it. And I was like, okay, it's fucked up. It's weird. I like Audition better. You know, I think uh, that's a better movie. Um, I think it's more fleshed out with characters. And what the fuck is going on? Is having a celebration in the background? Somebody watching the movie? Yeah, I thought somebody was having fun. Um, so, yeah, I ended up checking out each of the killer. Um, and it just took me by surprise because the cover art has, you know, the main, you know, gangster, the enforcer, with the guy's got grin, with the piercings. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's going to be Ichi. That's going to be Ichi. That's going to be the killer. And I'm like, no, no, what you get is a guy that wears his Ichi one and cries a lot. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's the killer. This guy that gets a heart on and just cries a lot. And I was like, I, I just, I adore this movie because it's just so fucking weird. And it just goes into these different things where you don't think it's going to go one way. But, yeah, like the monkey said, there's really no happy moments in each of the killer. Like, it's just one straight downer of a movie. <laughs> it's, but it's fun. Like, you just, you can't stop watching. Um, but my only complaint was that there was a little bit too much CGI. I kind of wish they had cut down the CGI and went more practical for some of the scenes. Well, I said, that being I mean, said, though, it's yeah, it's early like the, use of CGI. Yeah. It's Japan doing what Japan does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, I, and it, it wasn't distracting, but it was just I was like, okay. And and you got to okay. Um, for the copy that we all watched for tonight, uh, did everyone watch the new restored version? Yes, I, I did. Okay. I'm not sure. What, right. I watched whatever's on Shutter. Okay, then. Okay, so then we all watched the restored version, which you know, unfortunately, it's like after they restored it, it kind of made it a little bit more grainy and it made things a little mm-hmm. bit too clear. Because I remember yeah. um, the copy of Ichi that I used to have was really, really fucking dark, you know. And for some scenes where I actually wanted to see shit, you know, because King Yu's mentioned the whole CGI thing. All right, and I'm just saying in defense of this movie real quick, this movie was originally shot really, really fucking dark. I remember my DVD mm. being dark as fuck. And, you know, the infamous needle scene, 
all right, I had to fucking brighten my TV like a motherfucker just so I could fucking see it, you know. So, you know, I'm saying don't bash the CGI in this movie too much because yeah. it, it origi- because it originally wasn't supposed to be this bright of a movie. It was supposed to be dark. It was supposed to be grainy, you know, so that the CGI could blend in better. I mean, it didn't bother me too much. It wasn't like I was like, this fucking movie sucks because of all the CGI. It's just, it captures you, though. You know, in certain scenes, right, okay, that's clearly too much. But at the same time, it didn't take me out of the movie. I mean, right away, you know, we're getting this whole Yakuza meeting, and then we're switching to this guy masturbating out of the apartment building where he's fucking coming, and then that's the opening credits where it's just his cum. I'm like, damn! It's a lot of fucking this. That's yeah, it's like, what, yeah, what, what, yeah, it's like, what the fuck? And the title sequence is coming up out of the jizz. It's like, okay. You know, so, so much. So if you weren't sure what kind of movie you were going to be watching, okay, brace yourselves, because this is where we're going. <laughs> right away, yeah, like, it holds no punches. Like, this is what we're doing. This is how gross we're going to get. And then you find out that it's Anjo. Uh, the Sakuza boss who has been killed off with all, you know, a couple of people. And you have a cleaning crew coming in of uh, Gigi and Kano and Long. And they're like, oh, Ichi did it again. And he's fucking a master. And there's just fucking guts everywhere. Just intestines and limbs and blood. It's just, you know, a masterpiece of gore. Yeah. And, and you know, and we, and we can't talk about this movie without talking about the gore. It's just this movie is like so much fun because, like you know, straight off the bat, it's like you have you know the cleaning crew just falling on top of each other. You know, this is like one of the few moments where I'm like laughing in the movie because they're just like oh fucking Ichi, you know, it's just you know just guts all over the place and shit like that. And it's just like you know, ghoul. What did you think? You know, you know for. Like, if you can remember, first time watching this movie, and straight off, you go in, and there's just a room full of shit all over the fucking place. Oh, I'm sure at this point, again, knowing me and Doc, uh, I mean, I, I might be taking some liberties here, but we probably had hit so much green that the jizz sequence alone probably set us off laughing to the point of tears. <laughs> um so the fact that then we walk into a room that is now coated with blood, we were probably trying to breathe still by the time this whole sequence occurred. So, again, I have, like, little to no recollection of watching this film back then. I know we watched it. Um, I know, like, these little bits and pieces, like, you know, that I saw in flashes. That's about it. Um, so I kind of went into this viewing. It's just completely fresh. And, uh, like, I never read the manga for this. Um, which is what the the movie is based off of. That went into some deeper themes as far as people uh, see hints of it in the movie. But it goes into some deeper themes yeah. of what pain versus love are, and you know a lot of sadomasochistic things. Which again, you'll see hints uh-huh. clues of it in the movie. The movie just takes it where a movie goes with it, though. When you, you either go graphical or you go, you know, artistic. This film goes graphical. And there were things that I that I did like, especially with uh, Karihara, you know, who plays the the main villain with the Glasgow grin and the piercings in his Glasgow grin, with the blonde hair, dressed up like Tower Durden throughout the entire fucking movie, and just walking around trying to find out what happened to Anjo. And they have that one scene where he's tied up in the chains, and you have the English-speaking prostitute Karen punching him. He's like, 
Yep, there's no love in your punches. Punch me harder. Punch me if you want to kill me. It's like, God damn it, I'm punching as hard as I can. You know, so it's, it's pain for pleasure for for Kayata. You know, where it's like, I, I like the pain. And he kind of has this kind of death wish thing. Where it's like he wants to experience not, death, but he just can't because nobody can do it. It's not pain for pleasure. It's not pain for pleasure at all. For him, pain okay. is, is love. It's not pleasure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like a, Ichi is the one that's getting pleasure off of it. Ichi's the one that gets hard and aroused and Rubbing on his dick. from it. You know, <laughs> 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 you know Kakihara, on the other hand, though, for him, pain equates to what love is. For him, it's almost as if, like, you would see a parent and their child. That's, like, how he equates <laughs> that pain and love is. Right, which is why he was weird. so. Yeah, but this is also why he was. And Nagul, you nailed it. Is like the whole uh, you know parent child thing because that's why he's so adamant about finding Boss Anjo is because Boss Anjo would beat his ass like this, and yeah. you know like mm-hmm. like like the ghoul said, you know that's his dad. He's looking for his dad pretty much. Throughout this entire thing, because while everyone else has given up, you know he, you know Takahara is the, the the one who refuses to give up. You know he refuses to stop searching for his dad. Yeah, and I, I think at one point somebody says that he had a thing for for Anjo. And it's like he might have had a crush on Anjo at one point because <laughs> he beats you so bad. Like, that's probably why you're working for him so much. Intruder! Intruder! <laughs> run, Papa! Run, Papa! <laughs> yeah, but, oh, but, my babies. You know, <laughs> but you know, as we carry on, you know, we we have, you know, uh, you know, this, this Yakuza, bat, uh, you know, war starting to happen, and we're starting to see bits and pieces of Gigi in there. Um, starting to plant seeds of deception amongst the different things. Gigi's so the fucking good. I love Gigi. Because he's this unassuming, older Japanese man who's just sitting around and he knows everything that's going on. He's got his cleaning crew, but everybody else doesn't know about it. And he's like, oh, maybe, maybe it was Suzuki. Maybe Suzuki has something to do with this, and I think you need to get him because he probably has something to do with Andre's experience. And maybe you should just fucking torture him for a little while and we get some answers. He's like, you better not be lying to me, Gigi. He's like, I'm not. I'll even be there when you torture him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, and, uh, they, you know, they get to a point where they sit there and grab Suzuki, you know, and, yeah, shit just gets fucking weird. <laughs> it goes Hellraiser. For a little while. It, 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 it fucking does. It goes Hellraiser, um... You know, it it goes D Snyder, you know, um, <laughs> but and th- like th- this is the moment, like you know, we're skipping all over this fucking movie tonight. Um, but we can. Like, I mean, it's fine. But yeah, yeah, fuck it. But since we're going here, it's like you know, fuck it. It's like you know, we're <laughs> we're, we're we're going to the honey honey pot early, <laughs> um, because this is the scene that everyone talks about when they t- uh, watch E.T. the Killer. This is the mm-hmm. scene. Um, and for me, it's like, you know, uh, watching it for the first time, second time, third time, now the fourth time. Yeah. It's still the hardest scene for me to watch just because yeah, you do not um, like flesh and needles and shit. 
I do not. No. <laughs> um, I am not a fan of metal through flesh, and especially body suspension, especially. Oh, fuck. God damn, body suspension. Um, But at the same time, this whole scene, it's like they did a great job with the special effects. They, they did a really, really good job with the special effects for the body yeah. suspension. And um, it's like, unfortunately, that's one of those things, though, that you lose um, in this new 4K uh, remaster is, unfortunately, because they clean it up too good and make the film too bright, unfortunately, you can see where the effects end and the body begins yep. and stuff like that. You know, un- unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's like in its original version, it blurred together so much better. Um during this entire torture scene where he's like, hey, who was their shrimp to put up? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you want some shrimp? I got some shrimp cooking. And like, you know, like he's, his eyes are starting to open and he's like, his, the first two words he says, he's like, Kakiara? Tempura? Like, he's realizing that he's really <laughs> yeah. and he's realizing the guy that's fucking cooking it. And, like, that, that, like just the idea of, like, imagining that happening to you is just fucked up. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's just worse because you have Gigi sitting there just going, yep, that's him. So, you better torture him. And when you have the, the rival boss of the Funaki clan coming in, going, the fuck are you doing? The Suzuki didn't do anything. What are you doing? Uh, just a little torture. <laughs> trying to get some answers. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, it's just this, so great. And this is also where we see Takahata shining with the weird fucking shit that Takahata does. Because we we have him playing around with the tempura, okay? But even mm-hmm. before the yep. game comes in, okay? And we sit there and, you know, the fucker, you know, Suzuki is already, you know, fucking hanging. You know, he's just hanging around. You know, <laughs> waking up. Um, but then uh, Takahata comes in and starts using his um, weapon of choice, which are just fucking needles. Long, yeah, yep. long, fucking menacing fucking needle. You know, and he fucking loves using these fucking things. And I, I like that during this entire scene, they take their time and they go slow with these needles. You know, and again, no. while I'm not a fan of this shit, at the same time, it's like I, I dug it because, again, you know, even though it's CGI and shit like that, they do a great job, in my opinion, of just them taking their time and just going in and out, in and out, you know. And, and the sound that are going in, or the flesh. Yeah, yeah. And then we get to just the classic shot of up through the bottom of the jaw. <laughs> It's out through the mouth. It's just, uh, you know, and... Open the mouth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it's just, uh, uh, again, like, while, while it makes my skin crawl, I, I love this fucking scene. I really do. Um, And then, it's like, if that wasn't fucking bad enough, you know, you know, we already had this important. What are we going to do with all this fucking oil? And then, like, like, yeah, and then, and then, like, and then, but I also, yeah, but I also took, <laughs> but I also take, took this as a huge disgrace to Suzuki, 
All right, because Takahata takes this and then pours it directly over his Yakuza tattoo, over his back. So destroying mm-hmm. the, the Yakuza tattoo. Yes, this yeah. is cool as fuck is, you know, to destroy the tattoo that's back there. You know, now listen, and, I, I you know, know for a fact that Doc, because of the way he cooks, you know, he's had his dealings with oil before. <laughs> now, I know me, all right, you know, in my light amounts of cooking, you know, I tend to use a lot of fucking oil. I'm one of those people that just puts it in the fucking pan. I'll fry anything and everything as long as I can get fucking fitted in there. And just tiny little bits of spit and splashes. Like I threw a, like a dab of water in the other day just to make sure the, the oil was hot enough. And I guess I put too uh-huh. much fucking water, because the shit just decided to start going all volcano on me. It was yeah, like I was waiting to see Tommy Lee Jones running around down in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so it's spitting and spurtering all over the fucking area. We don't have that much space, so of course it's on my arms now, and I'm like, you know, trying to not get it on the face, you know, God forbid, can't do that. Um, but, you know, pretty, you're pretty cool. that much hot <laughs> oil poured directly onto oneself is just fucking horrifying. Yeah. Absolutely horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Have it's, you had experiences with right. oil like that before, Doc? I mean, not from, like, throwing too much, like, water into a pan in my kitchen, but with, you know, 15-plus years of working in restaurants and some of them in kitchens, like, I've had splashes from the fryer and shit like that. Shit fucking hurts, man. It's a nightmare. I still have some oh, little yeah. scars on my hands and stuff. Well, well, even on my youngest son, it's like you know he has a small scar because I was trying to teach him how to deep fry. He he got burns on his arm, you know, from there to this day, and that was. Well, you're not supposed to stick his, his fucking arm in, monkey. I know, <laughs> but he would, but he wouldn't listen. No, but yeah, it's like like you said, it's this entire scene, and then still, as as if that wasn't fucking enough, you know, he he sits there and. You know, hits him with the pen, hits him with the body suspension. You know, Tim Porter's his motherfucking he hides. And then he's like, "What? You're still not fucking talking? All right, now we're going for the fucking dick." You know, and he's like, he's, you know, now he's going after the dick with some scissors. And that's when the other fucking clan comes in. It's like, what is the fuck are you doing to Suzuki? Uh, a little bit of torture. <laughs> Yeah, Cocky Holiday and the fucking dick, as you find out later in the movie, he's just obsessed with dicks. He just loves cutting up penises. <laughs> when you get the Funaki boss coming in, he's like, well, this guy fucking didn't do anything. He wouldn't do that. And he's like, all right, so I'm going to meet with you, and I'm going to offer you up my tongue as penance. I love that scene. When he just puts the fucking, you know, bandana on and just starts yeah. fucking sawing through his tongue. And you have all the balls going, oh, God, fuck, God damn it. And he's really cutting off his tongue. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh, oh. like you're coming out of the time, like, oh, it's Japanese Joker. Because <laughs> he's wearing a purple coat, too. And then seeing you know, I was like, oh, it's Japanese Joker. Because he doesn't give a fuck. He's cutting off his tongue. And he cut and, and he cuts off his tongue and then like like you said, everyone else is like, Oh fuck no. Oh fuck no. But now Takahara is being assistant upon presenting the present, you know, <laughs> to the Yakuza Lord. You know, he's like, take it, take it. And he's really dabbling it in front of his face, you know, and shit like that. And go, come on, motherfucker, you know. <laughs> and then he accepts it. But it's funny to me because after that scene happens, he's completely fine, though. Like, he could talk fine. Like, he's not all fucking warbled throughout the entire movie. It's like, no, I cut off half my tongue, but I can still talk normal. It's good. So, you know, I'm just fucking this guy. 
Like, it's just, it was so he great. Sold, he, just... he sold it up really good. He kind of sold it up. It's okay. It was sold. Okay. So it's sold. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah, not not Cody Hara. No, he's fine. He still got normal. This is his And that's when he shows us the Karen. And he even stalled off and stitched up, showing it off the Karen. He's still good. He he's still showing. He's still got that uh, 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 action going on. Yeah, he's, you know. he's still doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Karen's all about him, which I love. In fact, the English-speaking Japanese girl is all about him. Alien son, the actress. It's so great in this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Um, but then they get to finding Kano, who was the original cleanup crew for Ichi. You have Kano, Gigi, and you also have uh, Long. And when they get Kano, who's addicted to drugs, I love the fact that when they find him in the television, he's like, no, he was already in the television when we found him. We just put tape around it so he couldn't get out. So what are you doing in television? <laughs> he's so drug addicted that he just put himself in the television. He was shaking the dragon, man. That's why he was in the television, man. You know, this guy is... You know, again, I think this is... It's the case often with with these kind of films. And like I said, this specific director, you know, he goes for the graphical quality more than the artistic one. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a story that could be told here. There's a lot of characters here that we actually don't get any depth to that probably have right. a lot of depth, you know. And uh, But, yeah, this is, you know, he's using the TV. <laughs> right. yeah. and, and, and we find out and, that he worked with them at some point, but he got all kinds of facial yes. surgery done so that they don't recognize mm. him. He was, yeah. he was former Andre. Right, right. But but like the ghoul had said, you know, earlier, this is based on the manga. Okay, and I know that this manga, I, I believe it ran for like uh, twelve volumes. You know, and vo- volumes over there are usually about 120 pages. All right. So, uh, again, this is where I think um, Miki probably had problems just like anyone else trying to make a Marvel movie over here, is what uh, storylines do you pick? What storylines do you not pick? Because you're trying to cram a shitload of comic books into this, you know, two-hour movie. You know, and... I, like like this particular character, I'm sure he had a ton of backstory, you know, relevant backstory that meant something that made the story deeper. But unfortunately, they didn't have time to go there, so they had to sit there and whittle his story down to do trapped in the TV. <laughs> well, which yeah. is fine. Well, I, mean, I didn't mind it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a matter of minding it, but like I said, I just I feel like we get shallow representations of characters, you know, uh, yeah, which is yeah. kind of what makes mm-hmm. it hard to talk about, you know, like that's that's part of the problem here. Another thing I find, I found with the film anyway, and I don't know if I thought about this when I saw it the first time with the doc, we might have, who knows, you know, we, we can't remember most of it. Um, I felt a lot of... And it would have only come out the year before this, Memento, in the way this story oh, yeah. was told. Um, yeah. You know, with the way everything was jumping around, and even with the whole brainwashing aspect and everything, um, it was it, it was very odd. I kind of feel like, you know, maybe he saw that movie, and maybe it inspired him in a way to kind of, hey, I can make this movie they've been trying to make for however many years, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. I've got an idea. True. That could be it too. And, and, I got a lot of hours of runs. And, and well, yeah, well, yeah, 
But then around the same time, though, we also had uh, Tarantino coming out of Pulp Fiction, uh, too. Mm-hmm. So maybe then that was another gateway saying, okay, maybe we can use uh, that style, too, to jump around stories all over the place and then try and tie them we'll up neatly up at the end. <laughs> yeah, because they, they, do, they do jump around a little bit. Because um, you have the one scene of Ichi going back to the balcony where he's watching Sailor getting beaten up by her pimp, you know, and he decides, this is the time I'm going to go in, I'm going to confront the pimp, and he's fucking crying. And he's like, what the fuck are you crying for? Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you know, just stop crying. You know, what are you doing here? And you find out that Ichi has... Yeah, but you find out that Ichi has blades in his shoes, and he cuts up the, the, the pimp right from the middle. And I was like, okay, cool. But then he's like, oh, Sailor, it's okay now. Because I'll beat you now. <laughs> I'll be the one that gets you. Like, it's fine. Not like, you know, he's not going to beat you anymore. I will. Because <laughs> that's what you're yeah. used to. And she's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this one is like, for so many times, it's like Ichi's like, line, like, pretty much every other line for uh, Ichi is, go uh, menasai. You know, <laughs> just I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> <laughs> going, no, it's just him going, go <laughs> no, but it's just Ichi going, go minasai, go minasai, go minasai. You know, every other fucking <laughs> line that he has is, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, every other woman that's talking to him, you know, in the middle of the shit, and you'll find out later again, too. It's just Nani, you know, when there's like, I, I'm going to beat you, I'm going to cut you, I'm going to kill you. And they're like, wait, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> and he kills Sailor, too. When Sailor's like, fuck this shit, and he slices her throat. And he's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, I'm going to cry now. I'm going to cry because it's sad. <laughs> it's like, this is each of the killer, everybody. <laughs> this is our killer. This guy that can't it? stop crying. <laughs> With his big light up number one on the back. <laughs> yeah. And I remember when he's working at the restaurant in the movie where he where the restaurant owner's telling him to kill himself. He's like, I won't forgive you if you die. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it. No one's gonna miss you. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and again though, like these are the things that make the movie disjointed, you know, because like where's the point of yes, that scene? Yep. Like nothing ever comes yeah. back mm-hmm. from that. Um, you know, at least no, this, you know, with the guy and the prostitute, you see his his, his psychosis, at least. You know, this idea that he thinks yeah. he's a hero, but the reality is he's a fucking psychopath. Yeah. But, and then you get Katihara uh, getting expelled from the gang. And like, we, we don't want you here anymore. You're on your own. Get the fuck out of here. And he's like, that's cool. I'll get out of here. He's like, well, we're on our own, so we're going to be targets, guys. Anybody who wants to leave, you can leave. He's, the one gang member's like, yeah, I want to go. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going to stab you in the fucking foot. <laughs> <laughs> so, leave, bitch. But, but then the other thing, though, is when they kick out Takahata, you know, and Takahata is just like, all right, that's cool. You know, and... and yeah, he's you know, and, it, yeah. And and everyone's there to like be a be the be, you know be a video conference and shit like that. You know everyone's like, oh wow, that yeah. was gonna go way way worse. And then Takahata comes back and goes, oh by the way, I'm taking everyone with the Anjo gang with me. So, um, yeah, there, there's that. You know because because Suzuki was the one who sat there and prompted 
the other Yakuza members to kick out Takahata. You know, so yeah. again, you know, now he's all wrapped up, looking all fucking two faced. You know, because he's all you know wrapped up in bandages and shit like that. You know, and he because he's even though he received the gift of the tongue uh, from Takahata. You know, he wants a greater revenge against him. Yes, that's right. You know. And, and yeah, like, and I just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she, and, the scene after Katahara uh, is expelled, when he goes to the club, and the club owner's like, you can't be here, you were expelled. And he's like, oh, really? I don't think I have a problem. And he starts fucking grabbing his sheet. And he's <laughs> <and laughs> like, Karen, help me. You're going to stretch it too far. And I'm like, okay, they're going Frank Cotton Hellraiser on this one. <laughs> he's stretching his fucking face out. I was like, what the fuck are they doing? And then Karen gets all excited. She's like, I'm going to pull too. Yay! Like, yeah. This poor fucking club owner. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, meanwhile, Karen's like, oh, this is also, awesome. this is so fucked up. I want to be your girl. And he's like, uh, okay. You know, pull harder. <laughs> And that's what leads to them in the the chains, you know, when he's tied up. And he's like, punch me harder. And she's like, I'll punch you as hard as I can. You don't love me then. Because this is bullshit. Like, you can't hit me hard enough. I'm telling you to kill me, and that's what you can give me. And poor Karen. It's like this whole moment. It's like she's supposed to be hot. She's supposed to be, you know, like this SNL, you know, motherfucker. And, like, she's beating the fuck out of him. And the poor bitch has no fucking ass. It's like there she is. Like, oh, that's fucking because because it's just because you sit there and put me in a scenario where you have a chick in fishnets and she's wearing a thong and like possibly doing some slight bodily damage to me. It's like I like I'm all over it. But when her ass is so small to where her thong keeps slipping out of her ass crack, I'm just like, oh man. Um, she had no butt and no ass. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Especially and, when she goes and to see tells, Ichi later on in the film, like nothing, nothing yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, but he, you know, but he tells her, you know, boss did it better, boss did it harder. You know, you're definitely not the girl for me. Um, mm-hmm. But if I, but if I can, can I rewind for just a quick minute back to ten minutes ago? Um, no. Is uh, shut up, Doc. You hadn't said a damn thing about the entire thing while we're covering. The said no. Also, we'll just take it out. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> It's just I I just want to go back to like when uh, Takahara took the Anjo gang with him and there you know I just want to say I really enjoyed that camera shot of just the whole Anjo gang walking in slow motion down the street yeah. mm-hmm. and like Those I just dogs. really enjoy yeah yeah I just fucking loved that shot I thought it was just such a cool fucking shot especially with the one dude with was... the, the, the the yeah with the one dude with, with, the, foot, with uh... the needle on his foot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, trying to kick off a piece of wood. <laughs> but it's just that particular shot. I I just enjoyed the hell out of that shot itself. Okay, moving on. Um, the scene that I really liked is when you have Ichi bicycling home one evening, and then you have a bunch of little kids that are ganging up on Takeshi, and he sees this happening, and he's like, all right, so what the fuck is going on? And then you have the little kids like, you know, just go, get the fuck out of here, dude. Like, Whatever, man. You know, get the fuck out of here. And then Ichi fucking karate kicks the one kid in the fucking chest. <laughs> and then Ichi, oh, oh, and it's just a I just, you know what, yeah. at this point, though, I wish they went full out and just had him, like, I don't know, kick the kid's Losing head and break his neck or something, you know? Yeah, man, like, bring I, on the pain. Uh, 
Go all the way out with it. You know, why just a belly kick? <laughs> yeah, I know. Just the fact that you just had that one beat of nothing, and then all of a sudden you see the kid crying. <laughs> I just started cracking up. <laughs> Sweep you know? the leg! And then he just Sweep leaves. the leg! <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't stop cracking up during that one scene because as you find out, the Keshi is the son of Kaneko, who's one of the members of, of Kiriko's gang. You know, and that's mm. Ichi doing some good for this kid. So now he's like, oh, you know, you did good. You're, what's your name? He's like, Ichi. He's like, that's Ichi. Like, he saved me. Like, so I'm going to remember that for the ending of this movie that you did some good for me. <laughs> well, the best yeah, is that but, well, no, so, but here's the thing that this character gives you This character gives you The fact that all of these people Are broken and they're broken at a young age If you actually pay yeah. attention To the son I mean for one thing you know, She doesn't actually willingly help him The kid goes and fucks with him And that's why he kicks him He was ready to leave He was just going to go um, The kid was a little douchebag Kids can often be. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, you know, if you if you listen to what the kid's saying when he's talking to his father later, he even mentions that you know he made a friend, he helped him. This guy Ichi, I'm gonna be just like him. He says the name, and the father never even picks up on that when he's thinking about nope. it later. You know, they never even put two and two together for that kind of stuff. But again, that's the disconnect that you see between yeah. all of the characters here. Everybody in this show is looking for, in this movie, is looking for a father figure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, and it's just, uh, and then we get into the weird ass side story of Tanaka, or Tanake, you know, where it's like, you know, again, you know, Takashi's dad, you know, he used to be a cop, but he lost his gun. You know, and then we start to get into this weird ass like I I want yeah, to almost like Kaneko, yes, thank you. Um, you know where we almost start to get into this um, <clears throat> Tarantino stuff where it starts to become stories piled on top of stories on top of stories. Yeah. You know of char- characters mm-hmm. building on top of oh, characters. Yeah. You know because he is the one who helped Ichi when Ichi got his ass kicked outside of the restaurant. All right, and then. He does that for Ichi because he had that exact same moment happen to him, you know. And again, you know, lots of weird ass fucked up memories happening in that one particular ramen yeah. restaurant for some reason. I don't know why Kaneko mm-hmm. chooses all of his bad moments to happen with that one particular ramen restaurant, but he does, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, and that's when he gets introduced into Anjo's gang um, by another member who was awesome because he was also. Um, in the last samurai with Tom Cruise, he was he was awesome in that fucking movie. Just saying, um, but that's when he gets introduced into the gang, you know. And again, uh, Takashi's talking about he met a friend and whatnot. And then you have Kanako just shave his buzz of you know Takishi meeting a friend and go, hey, that does fucked up shit every once in a while. He may not be coming home. If that ever happens, I want you to go live with your mom. It's like, man, your kid just made a fucking friend, and you're saying, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And this is what yeah. I'm talking about. It's like, um, you know, it's the dark, dark feel of the movie. Like, no happy moments at all. <laughs> but you do have that back and forth with, with Kaneko realizing where he was at. You know, after he had lost his gun, that's why he's not a police officer anymore. You know, meeting up with yeah. one of the, the gang members. That's how he became part of the gang. Um, but then you have... Uh, Karihara getting these two police detectives, uh, Jiro and Saburu, 
um, who I just fucking love, Jiro and Sabuda. Because they're brothers, they're, they're twins, but they come in, and when they find Long, who decided to get out of the captivity that he was in so he could fuck his uh, prostitute girlfriend, Mew Mew, and they take Mew Mew, and they cut off her fucking tits in oh, that fun scene. And I'm like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> they are just having fun, like, you know, just torturing this girl. Because they want to find out where Long is. So you have uh, the one, I think it was uh, uh, Saburu who puts on the fucking teddy ears. Because <laughs> he wants mm-hmm. to smell out where she yeah, well, was. Well, he was, <laughs> yeah, they were supposed to be, yeah, they were supposed to be dog ears. You know, is what they were supposed to be. Oh, because I thought now it was bear ears. Okay. No, see, they're dog ears. He was a hound dog. He was hunting. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah okay, he was like a hound, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he sniffed a cooch, and now he's going to sniff out long. You know? <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, I just love it. And uh, obviously he knows what the what the old brajol smells like, you know? Oh, <laughs> the then he was sniffing that body. <laughs> he was just like, sniffing that body. He was like, yep, I know where he is, and we can go get him. And then they capture Long and start torturing him with the long needles to the face, you know, shooting on his face. Like this Rajol. poor fucking guy. And Kiki Hara going, oh, well, you know what? I think we know what we have to do to Long. We're going to have to fucking cut his penis in half. And he just fucking starts putting the scissors on his face. I was like, God damn it. This mm. guy with the fucking dick. <laughs> it's just, man, he just wants a dick. Right, but at, at, at this moment, though, it's like, I, I, again, we should sit there and see just how weird Takahara is because Takahara knew exactly where Long was going to end up. And there he is, just water, watering the fucking plant. You know, just oh hey, hey Long, how you doing? You know, and and Long takes it upon himself to uh, create the assault and start beating the shit out of Takahata, and Takahata's like, uh, that's all you got. Yeah. But at the same time, this moment is the one moment. Oh, Glasgow Rings. Yeah, where we actually have an actual anime moment in the movie. Yeah. You know, where he... With him taking out the piercings? Yeah. (laughs) And then we get the one fucked up (laughs) actual anime moment of him just going, and going all fucking anaconda on Long's fist. Yeah. That was my biggest what-the-fuck moment of this movie. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, why is he this person now? Why is he a kaiju all of a sudden? (laughs) He's got the second mouth. And he ripped off the flesh of the guy's hand, and he was like, yeah, now you're coming with me, bitch. We're going to tie you up in the apartment. Um, but I think the the biggest twist of this movie is that you have Gigi, who has been manipulating Ichi the entire movie, believing that this rape happened when he was younger, and believing that in order to kind of make penance for this, you have to eliminate the bad guys. So using his sexuality, because whenever he gets turned on, he gets violent. So Gigi is using this so that Ichi could take out the Yakuza gangs. So we kind of get that reveal that Gigi is playing Ichi. He doesn't really care about the kid. He's just using him. Well, at this moment, mm-hmm. you're, you're finding out slowly, not only through Ichi, but you're also finding out through Karen and through Takahata that he is actually using hypnotization on everyone mm-hmm. yeah. to, set, to, 
to set everyone exactly where he wants them to be at the right time. Because at, because at the same time, though, he sits there and tells Karen, you know, hey, why don't you go pay a visit to Ichi soon? All right, he's this guy, you know, he's nervous, he cries, you know. But he really, really needs to get right. Yeah. Um, you know, and at the same time, he, you know, he, he calls Takahata and goes, you know, tells Takahata, don't you think things are being a little bit too easy right now? You know, and he's using his, you know, and this is where, I feel like, through what I read, the manga gets way deeper into the whole uh, psychic attack shit. Um, you know, compared to what we see in this movie. It gets way, way deeper into the psych, you know, psychic battles. But, you know, Gigi, that's what he does. He's they're trying to take the Yakuza apart through these implemented psychic implementations that he's doing. Well, and he sends Karen right into Ichi's home yeah. to talk to him and say that she's the girl that was yep. raped, but she kind of liked it. You know, and she didn't want him to do it, but she wanted everybody else to do it. So she immediately gets to work on just sucking that dick. And he's like, I get it now. I get it. You didn't want me to rape you, but you did. And this is what everybody wanted. This is what Sailor wanted. This is what everybody that I've been going up against wanted. And then he immediately gets to work about killing uh, Karen. Cutting in her leg and then catching her before she could leave and slicing up her in her head. And just, he's alive now. He's like, I know what I have to do. This is it. <laughs> I'm me now. I'm Ichi. Like, I got it. <laughs> I realize who I, mean, I am. This falls very much into a lot of the things that we're seeing in even today's society right now with this whole, you know, no means mm-hmm. yes thing and the, the women's yeah. movement and everything. Um, you know, cosplay is not consent and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, here he is completely rationalizing, like, hey, you know, you... But the thing is this. She literally said all of these things to him. She put herself in this position. This isn't a case in which, you know, the guy is completely fucking out of his mind. The fact is, literally from her very mouth were the words that, like, you know, I didn't want... You know, I wanted to be raped. I wanted this. I wanted that. But at the same time, too, you can look at it from the mentally ill standpoint. Maybe that's just what he was hearing, and we never actually see what she really said. That's true, too. I think that might be, like, a little bit too deep of a reading into what the filmmakers were going for there. Again, not reading the manga, I don't know what their interpretation was, you know? Very yeah. true. It reminds me, though, of, uh, there's a very controversial uh, scene in the original uh, Sam Peckinpah Straw Dogs where mm-hmm. yep. the female character uh, is raped by one of the main villains, uh, but she appears to kind of, like, enjoy it and kind of lead him on in a way. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a scene that's very... Uh, controversial and has been like examined or written about, uh, you know, to death. Uh, so it's going to sound weird, yeah, but like yeah. I actually just had a similar conversation with my mother not too long ago, and what actually ended up coming up in the conversation was one of the porns that my old man had. Um, it was a movie called Bad Girls. And the very opening scene of it is during a photo shoot with this one girl. You know, it's, a, it's just a standard 
nude photo shoot and whatnot. The guy's got a stripping, this and that. Um, they wrap up. She starts getting dressed, and all of a sudden he's like, no, I want, you know, we're going to do some more, uh, some more shots or whatever. So she's like, fine, you know, and she starts starts stripping down, getting into the shots, but you can see she wants to leave. She's supposed to be meeting her friends and all this for them to leave on some vacation. He tells her he's going to go change the film and the camera. He comes back out. He's She's still doing a shot on the set, so she's got all the bright lights on her and everything. She can't see. He's butt-ass naked. Now, he starts creeping up and then ends up having sex with her. And the idea is, it's like, you know, she's fighting it at first, and then all of a sudden she's liking it. You know, but for all intents and purposes, this is a fucking rape, you know, that is going on. And this was in a movie from, like, the, the late 70s, early 80s. Um... It was it was almost like a, a normal type of thing. I remember plenty of films from that time having that kind of stuff in it, you know? Right. Yeah. And and then, you know, at that same time, we're you know, probably have to take in mind when, you know, E.T. was originally written, you know, when it was originally published, that kind of stuff. But, you know, all of this about what's running through E.T.'s head at this moment, because now all is right is with the world. He understands what he has to do, and he has a mission. Because he he is now back in the game, you know he he's in it, yeah. baby. Let's let's and do I'm this back shit. Back in the game. And Gigi, you know, tells Kakihara that Ichi's coming for you. You have no fucking escape. And he's like, all right, we have to battle up. We have to get our guys together. So the one gangster goes outside to meet up with Gigi. And holy shit, never trust an old fucking guy wearing pants and a fucking green jacket in this movie. Because <laughs> fucking Gigi is fucking stacked, dude. Okay, seriously, I was in tears. This was some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. The clipping clipping that they did to stick his head on that gigantic body was just so (laughs) fucking terrible. It was so great, though. It it was seriously, this was one of the few moments in the movie, this and the mouth sequence, where, yeah, this goes full comic book. Like, that is, that's the kind of thing that you would see in a comic. You know, the little shriveled old man who's walking with a cane takes off his leg and he's built like fucking, you know, like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. Yeah, we're talking yeah. straight up. Yeah, we're talking straight up fist of North Star shit here. You know where you know little dude all of a sudden becomes a gigantic motherfucker, and you know, and and then he takes off and he starts doing short finger poses. You know, um, you know he's like yeah. you know, posing in front of the camera. You know, doing these bodybuilding poses and shit like that. It's like, yeah, you don't deserve Ichi, but I'm gonna sit there fuck your shit up. You know, and Takayama just gets his ass kicked. You know, but um, but then we lead to the chase to the rooftop, and you know, uh, chase to the rooftop. I fucking love, um, mm-hmm. just, yeah. just just because like this is like one of those few moments in the movie where I like actually felt like just fucked up, kind of happy, is because it's like we have these moments where um, excuse me. You know, Takahata's like, oh man, I'm fucking scared. This is fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm loving it. Too? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so fucking scared right now. Ichi's gonna kill me. This is great. I'm so scared. This is great. Yeah, yeah. This is the coolest fucking thing ever. Do you feel it too? You know, are you scared? Because <laughs> because uh, I'm scared out of my wits. <laughs> This is awesome. And yeah, you have that. Guy. He's, he's scared, but he's thrilled. You 
know, the whole idea of hunting yeah. mm-hmm. at this point, you know, once they know that uh, obviously the boss is dead, you know, the idea of hunting yeah. this is somebody here who is inflicting pain, the very same kind of pain that he yes. equates as love. Ichi is putting that kind of pain out indiscriminately. It's just pain. Mm-hmm. It's not even like he. Ichi doesn't enjoy doing it. There's no enjoyment behind it. He's just doing it. There's no thought behind it. And when you get to that rooftop, when you have Ichi believing that Kaneko is his brother, because Yuji told him that was your brother, even though it's another lie, that he told him. And you have him confronting Kaneko on the rooftop and saying, you know, why? Why would you do this? You're my brother. You're my brother. And Kaneko shoots him in the leg, and he's like, oh, shit, now I'm going to kill him too. And then he just slices through his throat. And then you have Kaneko's son, Takeshi, coming up and going, what the fuck? <laughs> his father just walking towards him. It's a blood squirting out. Like, yeah, I'm not going to make it. You might want to make dinner tonight, Takeshi. I'm not coming home tonight, son. Somebody's going like, what the fuck is that? How about you talk about the movie, Doc? Yeah, Um, anyway. Yeah. It was the fact that after after Ichi gets shot, and he's laying on the ground crying, just hysterically crying, and you have Kadihara trying to pick him up and go, come on, dude, fight. Come on, dude. Like, get up. Get up, dude. Like, let's fight. Like, we have a fight to conclude. <laughs> no! <laughs> and then Takeshi, seeing that his father's being killed, starts kicking Ichi in the fucking stomach, and I was losing it. I was cracking up so much. <laughs> he's kicking Ichi as he's crying. <laughs> like, no! He's like, get up, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it, was just, it was so great. But then again, right. you then, have this 360-fucking-degree twist. We're like, what the fuck? What are they doing? Yeah, again, why? Um, because Japan. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to I'm make 100%. A, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to hide again. I'm going to put the noodles in my ears. Yeah, I'm going to sit there and do this. And, okay, and this is where we get into the... Okay, this literally, like, last 10 minutes of the movie, it's like we get into high speculation mode here, is what the fuck happened for the last 10 minutes, all right, because Kakahara takes the needles and puts them into his own ears, okay, and sits there and penetrates his own brain. And then at that moment, for some reason, Ichi goes fucking apeshit and starts to lose his shit, and then... You know, for some reason, the, the size finally battle. Okay, okay, we'll get into it. Okay, we only got we're getting there. So, so we got to wrap up all this. Yeah. Okay. Kakahara, you know, is excited because you know Ichi's finally coming after him. He, you know, finally starts to battle, and then Ichi sits there and jumps up and does one big ass kick right into the middle of his fucking forehead, and then he falls. and he's falling. He's falling. You know, and he's fucking ecstatic that he's fucking falling because he knows that death is coming. You know, and you then he's fucking Inchi. Inchi! <laughs> Yeah, but we get to the end where he lands, and then Gigi sees that there is no fucking wound in his fucking forehead. And Gigi, and but Gigi, how do you know? Like, yeah, and then Gigi looks up and just closes his eyes. All right, and then. 
we get into the fucked up cutscenes, okay, now, of, like, several, several fucked up cutscenes, okay, of things that are happening, because Gigi's, uh, you know, looking up, Iki's, you know, just laying on the ground still, getting the shit out of Takeshi, you know, and then we cut into things of Takahara laying in a bathroom. Um, yep. Gigi hanging from a tree. And, yeah, and, and, um, Possibly an older Takeshi walking around with school students, looking back right. at the swinging, swinging body of Gigi. Okay, oh, it's still so Gigi. It was fucking day. Right, dude. That's I didn't get it. The kid is killed. He killed the kid. You see him standing there holding the little kid's head. Yeah. Okay. But is that a hallucination? You... No. You... None of that's an hallucination. What you see at the end is that Ichi got his final revenge, and he's walking off. And you see the other school kids walking away, and there's Ichi looking back because we know that he's still alive, doing whatever it is that he's doing. Dude, that sequence okay. when the kid was kicking Ichi fucking went on forever. It <laughs> did. Okay, but well, it's, it's, it's a weird time. thing because I I went on the Wikipedia to look up the plot synopsis after I watched the movie just to see what people wrote about it, and they had said uh, Takehara had no wound in his head. He hallucinated both Takeshi's murder and Ichi's attack as he jumped to his death when Ichi cried. Years later, Ichi's corpse hangs from a tree in a park. A young man resembling an older Takeshi leaves the park with a group of school children. So I was like, "What the fuck happened?" <laughs> like. This okay. is, you know, somebody in Wikipedia saying that it was a hallucination. But I can okay. figure yeah. it out. <laughs> Wikipedia, though, unfortunately, stuff is It's not a good source. So sometimes, okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially when you have something like this, nobody's going to check that. Nobody's fact-checking it. Nobody cares enough to fucking <laughs> yeah. change it, you know? But, so who right. was that? Was okay. that, that wasn't the catchy at the end? Okay, at the end, okay, according to the what I read on the manga, at the end, that Takeshi at the end, okay? The thing is, he grew psychic powers at the end, all right? And that was okay. why he and Ichi, and that's why he and Ichi had a bond. And the thing is, okay. at the very, very end, um, Kakehara, he was, during the fight, he was in there trying to make him think that he would die. The problem was, he didn't die. So... That's why his punishment at the end is no one can fucking kill Kakahara. So that's why you see him hanging out in the bathroom with his jaw dropped open. Is because he's sitting there waiting for death to happen. He's waiting for actual torture to happen. No one is left to actually torture him. So that is Kakahara's hell. Mm. Is that no one okay. no one is there. I like it. All right. Kaka- I like it. And, yeah. And, I dig and that. Gigi and Gigi lost his power over Ichi because when uh, Takeshi took, beat the hell out of Ichi, he became the predominant one, and he lost his power over Gigi, I mean, over, over Ichi. So Gigi now, killed himself and hung himself though, in the park. That's what you're saying. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. This is the manga. Shit, I like that. Then, yeah. Then, you All know right. what? The fucking so, director did a shit, shit, shitty job. Yes. Of fucking putting <laughs> yeah. that in the film, yeah. okay? He did. That is a real shit yeah. fucking sucks. way to end this mm. film. Takashi Miki fucked up. Yeah, yeah, Takashi Miki so, fucked up. Yeah, so the only one who actually lived and knew what the fuck actually happened was Takeshi, which was one of the students walking around at the end, because that's supposed to be Takeshi that's, a couple yeah. years later. 
And that's, that's how yeah. he, and so it's supposed to be punishment for everyone involved. You know, so Ichi, uh, Takishi powers pretty much nullified against Ichi, and he just kind of went off in his own way, and Gigi hung himself because he knew that. And that's how this movie kind of fucking ends. This is a weird-ass fucked-up note like that. It is. It's, it's a, again, you have to read the manga to get what the yeah. fucking meaning meant. Takashi Mike did a horrible job, like the girl said. It sucks because you just left get the fuck. Um, but anyway, that is Ichi the Killer. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this discussion of that movie and everything else. Uh, Doc, it is your pick next week. What do we have? We have 2006. I talked about this film uh, the last time I was on the show. Uh, Junho Bong, the host. Okay, all right. So we're going to go with Jumon Ho's The Host, you know, which is the movie that he did before Parasite and became a name in cinema. So that is what we're going to be talking about next week. So thank you so much, Doc, for joining us, and we can't wait to see you back in here next week. Yay, hooray. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, Monkey, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? All right, tonight's lesson in Japanese is brought to you by the word Nani. <laughs> For what? <laughs> and Gomenasai for sorry. Because we heard you say that over that and over. Gomenasai. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Let me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. Love you. <laughs> All right. Ghoul, right. take the floor. Do you got a plug as we close out? Yeah. Head on over to, uh, to Etsy. And uh, check out Bonfire Beat Designs. I'm going with a basic one tonight, man. It's been uh, too much translation shit, so I don't got nothing fucking zany to go with. Um, again, Bonfire Come Beat in Designs, all one word, right on Etsy. <laughs> all kinds of handcrafted jewelry, gemstones, and uh, and other things. All right, excellent. All right. So next week we're going to be talking about the Doc's pick of the host from Bong Joon-ho. So we hope you're back here next week to listen to everything we have to talk about. All right, so one of you hit us with that catchphrase as we close out, cool. Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. As for me, as I always say, keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Hail Satan. Hail Odorous. Hail yourselves. We'll see you back here next week. Nani? <laughs>